Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Well, I have some good news for you. I heard one person say yes. Thank you, Todd. You don't have to be defeated, down, doomed, depressed another day of your life. We can clap our hands to Jesus for that. Hallelujah. Not another day in your life. The gospel of Jesus Christ still has power to change your life. Hallelujah. And I've got a word in my belly. See how big my belly is? I've got a word in my belly to give to you today. Because some of you have been asking and wondering, why isn't this thing working? There's an answer for that. There's an answer for that. So if you would listen today with both ears, I believe today the Lord can give you a rich and relevant word that will deeply change and impact your life. Let me share with you this one uh, scripture. First of all, Isaiah, Isaiah 8, the Isaiah the 8th chapter, verse 11 through 14. Isaiah 8, verse 11 through 14. I want you to hear this scripture. Make a note of this scripture, highlight it, whatever you have to do, because this is one scripture that tells us about end times and, and how you should be, how we should, how God is relating to us in the end times right now. And, and it's a very protective scripture. I want you to see this. Uh, Isaiah, the eighth chapter, I'm going to read it to you out of the New Living Translation, Isaiah 8. Listen to this, verse 11 through 14. It says, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Now, that's big. Don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. And then he talks about the state of Jerusalem and uh, of Israel and Judah at that time period. He says, but to Israel and to Judah, uh, he will be a, a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. The Lord says that he will keep you safe. Two things I want you to know. The Lord said he will keep you safe and do not fear what they fear. Fear has the ability to bring things into your home and bring things into your life. Just ask Job about that. He said, the very thing I have feared has come upon me. Don't fear what they fear. They are afraid and they're afraid for good reason. They don't have a covenant with God, but you do. They don't know him. They should be afraid. But you know him. 
So why would you be afraid of a high gas price or high food price? Why would you, why would you allow that fear to ensnare you when the Lord is on your side? Don't fear what they fear. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't fear what they fear. All right, now, I'll give you that. Let's get into the word today. You can go to uh, Luke, the 8th chapter, Luke 8, Luke 8. And uh, this is a very familiar text of scripture. But I believe the Lord wants to give you a fresh look at this. And this is going to help answer some questions. Luke, the 8th chapter. And one of the questions that we're going to answer today is why isn't this working? Some of you have been going to church and people have been going to church for years and have not seen fruit in your life. Just been coming and coming and, and really we've just been drifting with the society, been drifting with the economy, just been drifting. If, if things are going well in the world, then hey, we're doing pretty good. If things are not going so well, then we're not doing really good. If everybody's afraid, then we're afraid too. If, everybody's, if everyone is optimistic, then we're optimistic too. If the posts on Facebook are are pretty pleasant, then we're pleasant. But if they're drab, then we're drab. But God didn't call us to be like that. We're going to have to break out of that. Break out of that. So listen to this very familiar scripture in Luke, the eighth chapter, verse uh, four. We're going to read just a little bit. And it says here, one day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some, fell, some seed fell on a footpath where it was uh, stepped on and the birds ate, and birds ate it. Verse 6, other, fell, other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow. But the plant soon withered and died for lack of moisture. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plant. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. Now, this parable is all about fruitfulness, and we're going to speak from the subject today of lock it down. I love that title. Lock it down. Come on, do do this with me. Lock it down. We're going to lock it down. Go ahead and do it. Lock it down. You're going to need to do that in in this next week coming up. You're going to need to do it. You're going to need to lock it down. Lock the word of God down. Let's understand this parable and really get into it, okay? Look again at verse number 11. Verse 11 says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. First of all, this blows my mind right here. The seed is God's word. Now, 
Why would someone go through the trouble of sowing seed in the first place? This is a whole parable about sowing seed, about about the journey of the seed and the path that it takes in order to be productive. Why would somebody sow seed in the first place? They're sowing seed because they're hungry. When you want to eat some watermelon, some cucumbers, some um, tomatoes, potatoes, whatever you're sowing, you're doing that so that you can eat at a future time, right? You're doing that because if you're not hungry now, you will be hungry later. So you're sowing seed to answer either a present need or a future need. There is something, there is a void, something lacking, something missing. And so you're putting this seed into the ground to, to supply a need that's either present or coming. Now the Bible says that his word is a seed. God's word is a seed. Now God's word does not take, does not take as long as natural seeds. It could bring you a harvest in just a moment. Or it may take over time. But the fact of the matter is, God gives seed to answer a need. There is a void. There is a void. There's a reason why you have prayed. There's a reason why you came to church today. Because there is a void. Something is missing. There is an internal hunger that God is going to answer with his seed. The Bible says, the seed is the word. Now, this is so powerful because when you have a need, God gives you a seed. And the seed that he gives you, in effect, is himself. Let's look at this. Let's look at John 1. You know this, John 1, uh, verses 1 through 3. It says, uh, in, the beginning, uh, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. God says you need a miracle, you need blessing, you need rent money, you need mortgage payment, you need gas money, you need healing for your body. What's the answer? God says, here, I'll give you a piece of me. The seed is the word. The word is God. God said, I have exactly what you need, and it is me. He gives you a bit of himself to answer the problem. But here's the thing. We oftentimes fumble with the word. We fumble with it. We don't really grasp the importance of what God has invested in your life. You really, we really don't. And Jesus gives us, uh, when we don't grasp the importance of it, the devil then has access to take away the very life that God is, is investing into you. Now, the Bible also says in Psalm 119, say with me, Psalm 119, verse 5, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, verse 130 says, The entrance of thy words gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. 
You say, I don't understand my marriage. I don't understand what we're going to do. I don't know what to do. Well, get in the word. Receive the word of God. See, even in the atmosphere, as the word of God is going forth right now, in this atmosphere, under this anointed word that goes forth Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, when you're in the atmosphere of the word, light begins to spring forth. Light springs forth. And while you're under the atmosphere, under the, under the anointing, hearing the word, of God as light begins to shine if you would whisper a prayer right in that time of anointing God will begin to answer you you have to be in the atmosphere he'll make difficult things easy it says even to the simple you may have a degree but sometimes we're still simple okay a couple of people got it got it got it we undervalue the word. Please hear me. We, we can so undervalue the word. Remember, the word is God. And without that word, nothing was created that exists. So he's giving you the building blocks of what you need through a word. The building blocks of what you need through a word. One man said, I prayed to God that, that he would give me a chair and he showed me a tree. I prayed to God that he would give me a job, and he said, go see so-and-so. He gives you the building, the building blocks of what you need, and often it is in seed form. And when you allow that seed to be planted on the inside of you, and it goes through its process, you become pregnant with that, and eventually you give birth to the thing that you've asked God for. Let me show you this in the Word of God today. Let's look further and the Bible declares also in, uh, let's look in Hebrews, Hebrews 4, verse 12. The very first sentence there says in Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. He's investing something that is alive and powerful in you. You have to recognize that the word of God has value, extreme value. In our culture, we so underestimate the word of God. We want to do everything else with everybody else. But really, Bible study right now? Really, listen to another sermon right now? Uh, let me go see what's on Facebook first. We so undervalue because the sower sows the word. God himself says, here is my life. And if you would receive this, here the seed is also virile sperm. Here is this planted on the inside of you. It's going to birth exactly what you need. But we so undervalue it. We want to do everything else. Study. Pastor wants us to do what this week? Study how, what book? Uh, if I got a little time. You know, I'm busy. We so undervalue the word of God. But it is this substance that God gives you that will actually change your life. Let me show you this. Now, uh, the centurion servant, centurion um, soldier also understood the value of the word of God in Matthew 8, 8. You remember when he said, hey, Lord, you don't have to come to my house. Just what? Speak a word only. He valued the word of God. Just say it. Just say it, and my situation will change. 
How much value do we place on the word of God? Be honest with yourself. How much value do you place on the word of God? I don't have time to read. Most people in here, I would say the majority of people in here has a, have a, has a smartphone, right? The vast majority have a smartphone. And we got all kind of Bible apps. All kind of Bible apps. And, and it will actually read the Bible for you. Maybe instead of going down the road, bumping and bumping, maybe we can listen to some Isaiah and some John and some Revelation. Maybe we can take a journey through the entire word of God. There's a time for bumpity bump. Sure it is. But whatever you make place, whatever you make place for in your life will grow. Does God have a place in your life? Make place for his word. And when you're just hearing the word of God, just hearing the word of God on a consistent basis, just make time to hear it begins to change your life. Are you making place for God's word in your life? Just be honest. Just be honest. Now, I need you to understand, we talked about why, why we're not being really effective in our Christian life, our Christian walk. Why things don't seem to be working for us on a consistent basis. And really that answer is here in the book of Luke. As you understand this parable. Because the enemy comes to attack. I want to show you this. Let's look at verse number 12 once again. Understand the attack of the enemy. And Jesus really defines what it is. Verse 12, the Bible says, it says, the Lord says, the, the, the seeds that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have what the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The Bible says plainly at the time of sowing, the devil is present. The enemy understands the power of the seed. At the time of sowing, right now, we are sowing the seed of God's word right at this moment. Right at this moment. Right at this moment, the devil is present trying to prevent you from receiving what is being said. He wants to stay cloaked. He wants to stay uh, in a secret place. He does not want you to hear that right now. He's doing his best to prevent you. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to that word. Jesus outlines the, the strategies and the plans of the enemy. Now, the devil is often always present when worship is going on. Let's look at Genesis. Look at Genesis 4. Genesis 4, verses 6 and 7. This is right after Cain and Abel offered their offerings before the Lord. This was a time of worship. Surely Cain had offered a sacrifice, and he is talking to God himself. And who's present here? Let's look at this. The Lord asking Cain, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. What's happening? Sin is what? Crouching at the door. Why is it there? It's eager to control you. 
but you must subdue it and be its master. At the time of sowing, the time of worship, sin crouches at the door. The devil's at the door. It does not want you to repent. It does not want you to receive. Because when you begin to receive the word of God, you begin to change. The enemy loves when you're bowed over like a donkey so he can ride your back all the time. Oh, he loves it. He loves it when you ignore God's word because it's because the word of God is the only thing that gives you power to defeat him. But when you stay ignorant and we're just not concerned, we're just being just, an, uh, just a run-of-the-mill person, he loves that. The enemy is threatened by somebody that's a person of the word, that knows your covenant with God. You know what God said, and you stand on his word. You can't be pushed around. You will not be caged. You're not an animal. You will not be caged. When you are a person of the word, are you hearing me? You must be a person of the word. Hear me, saints of God. So the enemy is present. Jesus said, the thief cometh not but to, for to steal, kill, and destroy. He's coming to take that thing from you. He's coming to take your bullets, if you will. You take your guns, take your armament, because the word of God is what God has given you to defeat him, to overcome him in this world. And if he can just keep you ignorant, you will become docile. You become neutered and not a threat. Just don't let them get the word. The Bible declares that the devil is like a roaring lion walking about, seeing whom he may devour. He's not just sitting around. He wants to take the word from you, to stop up your ears so that you will not hear. Now, the Bible says, again, that the sower sows the word, and this word because this word is there, the enemy comes and he tries to snatch it away from our hearts. Now, understand this. It won't be very long before you today. The enemy comes to snatch the word out of your hearts. Now, the word heart here in the book of Luke is the Greek word cardia, which, has, which definitely has to do with the innermost part of you, has to do with your soul, and it has to do with your mind. With your mind. God's trying to get his seed, his word, into your mind. Because once the word of God gets into your mind, it changes the way you think. And when your thinking changes, your speech changes. Your life begins to change. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He does not want you to change. The word is the thing that changes you. So this whole parable really is about getting a word into your mind, changing the way you think. Change, if the Lord changes the way you think, he'll change your appetite. He'll change your desires. He can change your present and your future by changing the way you think. You ever seen one of those movies, Freaky Fridays? When the mother get in the daughter and the daughter get in the mama. You know, they swap bodies. All of a sudden, the, the daughter who was a health nut gets into the mama's body. And mama was not a health nut. But all of a sudden, because this new mind is in her body, she begins to say, I got to exercise. I got to change now. The body's still the same, but the thoughts have changed. And because the thinking has changed, 
Now the diet will change. Now the activity will change because the mind has changed. If you allow the Lord to have access to your mind, he will change your life. And so the battle that is raging here is how the devil wants to prevent you from receiving the word into your mind. He does not want you to think the word of God. He does not want you to process the word of God. He wants you just simply just to keep on floating by. Just be like everybody else. Go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. Because as long as you are sleeping, church, you are controllable. And he can give you anything he wants to. He can put sickness there. He can put depression there, worry there, anxiety there. He can mess up your day as long as you remain asleep. Are you hearing? You can't allow the enemy to steal the word from you. You're going to have to lock it down. Once you lock that word down, you're going to have to let the word grow within you. And if you let it grow, then you can have the manifestation you can eat. You're going to lock the word down. You're going to let the word grow within you. And then you'll be able to eat the manifestation. But the problem is that we don't lock the word down. We allow the enemy week after week to steal the life-giving seed that God has given to us. And because the enemy steals the seed, we never have harvest. Therefore, we are subject to this world and become just like everybody else. That's the problem. We are children of God. God Almighty lives on the inside of us. The precious blood of our Savior covers us and washes and has washed our sins away. We are now seated at the right hand of God Almighty in Christ Jesus. Greater is he within you than he that is in the world, but we're acting just like everybody else. When the world looks at you, they say, or looks at the church as a whole, how are you any different from me? The enemy wants to keep the word from you so that you don't change, so that you don't develop. He wants to keep your mind shackled. So therefore, you'll believe the narrative from the news. Oh, doom, gloom, and agony, and despair. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. And the world cries and fears, and we do the exact same thing. Not knowing that your God is a great God. He is a great king and can supply. Are you hearing me? Let's go through this quickly. When the Lord says that in verse number 12, he says the the seed that fell on, on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have what the only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts or from their minds and prevents them from prevents them from believing and being saved. The footpath are those who hear the word, like some of you are right now, hear the word, but it's not really being received. It's just sort of bouncing off. One of the prevailing faults is to a footpath here is, what time are we getting out of here? Your body is here. 
You are here physically, but your mind is somewhere else. So when the word comes, boing. What are we gonna have for what are we gonna have to eat? I wish they hurry up. Come on, man. That's a footpath hearer. Not a word is getting in because we're so focused on something else. We're present, but we're not present. Let's go on to the next one here. It talks about the rocky soil in verse number 13. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. Rocky. Why is the soil rocky? The rocks represent other thoughts. It represents uh, pride. It represents lies. Anything that's already in the soil that is hard that prevents the seed from going deep. The word of God comes forth and it challenges something in your life. And we say, oh, you know, I don't know if I want to do that. It's all, I've always done it this way. I've, uh, there's no point in changing now. I've always done it this way. Or, you know, there's no point in giving it up now. You know, if, if I change this, Lord, if I, if I get out of this bad relationship, if, if I start really doing what you called me to do, then something's going to go wrong. See, there's something already in the soil, something already hard. Some lie that we have already received, something that, that we're proud about. We don't know how this is going to change. And if I do what you're saying, God, this is probably going to happen. So the seed gets in there, and we may be glad to hear it. Oh, preach, pastor, preach, preach, go and preach. And for a few days, we still got that high. Oh, wow, until it comes time to do what has been spoken. There's something already in the soil. And it won't, it, it prevents the seed from going down deep. That is, we're not submitted to the Holy Spirit of God. We have, we have not gotten to the place where we say, Lord, what you say goes. I will receive your mind. I will love what you love and hate what you hate. I will do what you call me to do. Not, See, when Mary received the seed, when she received the word, when she received Jesus, she told the, the angel, be it unto me, even according to your word, whatever you say, let it come to pass in my life. Have we gotten to that place yet? Whatever you say, let it happen in me. Whatever you say, God, let it happen in me. See, those, that, those type of individuals can't receive or will not bring the word to full maturity because they're still battling with their own wills. What I say goes. If you say something, Lord, that is uncomfortable for me, then not going to happen. You got what we're saying? The last person here, the last, last way the enemy really steals the seed is by that thorny ground, that thorny place. Let's look at it in verse 14. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. 
This is a thorny hearer. And this happens when the cares of this life shout so loudly, they drown out the whispers of the word. You hear a word on Sunday, oh, that's the word for me. I know that I receive that. But when you get out, you hear about all this other stuff. And it drowns out what you've heard. And then after a while, somebody asks you, what was preached Sunday? I don't know. Honestly, before you leave out of the door sometimes. What was the title? I don't know. Before you lay your head in the bed, can you communicate to somebody else? I was there. But we sat in service for at least 30 minutes and heard a 30-minute message, a 45-minute message, sometimes maybe an hour, I don't know. And can we remember one thing that was spoken? That's a seed that has been snatched. That life-giving seed has been taken away from the life. The word is choked, drowned out in your thinking, and it's no longer present. Remember, to start it all off, you asked God for something. You had a need. There was a void. And the Lord sent a word. He said he will send his word and heal you and deliver you from your destructions. God sends a word to heal and deliver you from your destructions. Here's the answer that you need. You've been praying. You've been crying out to God. God, help me. God, help my relationship. God, help me. God, help me. Help my finances. God, help me. Help my mother. Help my children. Help my grandchildren. God, help. God, help. God, help. Lord says, all right, here. Here's a word. And we hear it and, oh, this is great. Yes, this is great. But then throughout the week, everything else speaks so loudly. We weren't vigilant to hold on to the word that was spoken And then these other voices just drown it completely out. And then that seed never produces fruit. It simply gets choked. And so we go back the next week. Let's go back to church. Maybe, maybe this week we'll do it. I'll hear a word. I'll sit here. And maybe this week is, and then, oh, yes, great word, great word, great word. And we go back out. What was said? Ah. I don't really remember. That means no harvest, no fruit, no blessing. And so we live, instead of living by faith, we're living by mercy. God, help me. Change my life, God. Do this for me, God. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? Living by mercy. God, have mercy on me. Have mercy. Have mercy. I sent you the word. But we keep letting the devil snatch it out. That word was meant to produce fruit that you would eat and bless your life. But we keep letting it slip, undervaluing what he said. We never did lock it down. Let me show you exactly how to lock this down. There's nine things you're going to do. You can make a note of it if you so choose. But doing these nine things will help you lock the word of God down. If you do them, it will help you lock the word of God down. I'm going to go through these nine, and then I'm going to do something the devil won't do. I'm going to leave you alone.
Yeah, I am. Doing these nine things will help you lock the word down. Number one, first of all, you got to be present to hear the word. I mean, not just in the building. You got me? You got to be here. You got to be focused. Two, thank God for the word that you've heard. Offer thanksgiving. Third, what? Repent. Allow the spirit to change you. Hey, Lord, I like doing the drugs. I, I, like, I like doing this, and I, I, I like sleeping around, and I, I like this and that. And the other. I know I'm not doing right with the rutabaga over there. I know I'm not doing right, but you know, Lord. But then say, God, help me to end this thing. Give me a desire to do what is right. Allow the spirit to plant the word in you. So you're going to have to pray that through. You understand that, right? When the word of God comes and it challenges something in you that you know you like and you know it's wrong, you're going to have to pray. You don't just leave it there. You pray that thing down into you. Let's look at number four. Oh, boy, we missed out on this with a whole bunch. Four, what? Talk about the word immediately following the message and throughout the week. I don't want to say a show of hands. Please don't raise your hands. Please don't raise your hands. After the message is over, after the service is over, how many of us go out and talk about what was just said, what, what was just spoken? You do talk about it. Let's talk about, let's talk about the scripture. Do you talk about it? Most of the time we walk out those doors, where are we going to eat? I got to stop by Walmart. I got to do this. I got to do that. The other. Takes it right from you. I challenge you today. Talk about it. Talk about what really impacted you. Did anything impact you? Talk about the message. Third, or rather fifth, pray. Pray it into your heart. Pray it into your heart. Lord, today you talked about locking it down. Help me to lock down your word. Lord, give me the wisdom and the strength not to allow the enemy to steal that life-giving word that you've given unto me. Pray it into you. Pray it into you. What's number six? Oh, my goodness. Hear it again? I was there. Church, you mean I got to listen to it again? What kind of sense does that make? Hear it again? Your church has podcasts. This video. Take a minute to hear it again. Listen again two or three times to get it in you. What are we doing? We're locking down the seed. We're locking down the seed, not letting it slip. Number seven. Oh, my goodness. Review the scriptures. I mean, I got to open my Bible again. Review the scriptures. And eight what? Put it into practice. What, what are we doing? We're locking it down. And nine, what's happening? Teach it to somebody else. You do these, you're locking down that word. And when we fail to do any of those, what's happening? Once again, enemy snatches that word from you. Remember, this is important because you've been praying, asking God for an answer. 
You've been agonizing, worrying, really worrying, and frustrated and aggravated, wanting God to send change. And you've been coming to a church that you believe is Holy Ghost field. You believe that the Lord speaks to your man of God. And the Lord gives them a word. And the seed is sown. Service is over. Close the door. Where are we going to eat? Don't even mention anything about what was said. Don't even hear it again. Don't even pray it. Don't go through the scriptures again. I already heard it. What happens? The enemy snatches that seed away. And yet another week goes by. Another month goes by. Another year goes by. And we're still in the exact same place. Having the exact same problems. Never seeing change. But we're faithful to come and sit down. But when is change going to go? When is change going to come? If God's word is all that powerful, we got to change our perspective and really value what he said. In pulpit ministry, in your own personal Bible study time, valuing the word. And I challenge you once again, find that Bible app and listen to the word. Let bumpity bump go just for a little while. At least on the way to work, hear the word. Hear it. Start from Genesis and just keep on going till you finish it. Just hear the word. Allow it to go through you. I'm telling you, the word is seed. Allow it to get in you. Make place for the Lord. I'm grateful that we do it on Sunday morning. But make him a place to it at your, in your table, in your car, everywhere. Make him a place. The bigger the place you make, the more change you'll have. We're done. Let's give Lord a hand to praise. Awesome. Praise the wonderful name of the Lord. Praise the wonderful name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more thing I want to challenge you. I'm giving my, my um, tablet to Todd here now. We can thank God for Todd. Go ahead and clap your hands for Todd. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. He's the best book taker from me person in the world. One more thing the Lord dealt with me about, and I told our church, and I've never been the same since the Lord told me, so I'm going to tell you the same thing. I used to use the term OMG. I used to use the term, you know, oh my God, or Jesus, really? You used to say the Lord's name you know, uh, to express joy or to express, you know, surprise. The Lord began to reveal to me, don't you know that you're taking the Lord's name in vain? You're not using this in a context of prayer. Some people use it with the curse word. And when you take the Lord's name in vain over and over again, it's a systematic plan of the enemy trying to devalue his name in your mouth. So when it's really time to pray or cast the devil out or do something with that name, you've used it so commonly that to you, it has lost its power. To you. 
His name never loses power. But to you, in your prayers, you've used it so commonly, so flippantly, so flippantly in conversation, that when it's really time, it begins to sound like any other word or any other name. Make his name sacred. Make God holy in your life. Stop with the OMG stuff. We say, oh, you scared the bejesus out of me. I've heard people say that. Let's not do that. Make his name holy. Make him sacred. Here's somebody else said, just say, praise the Lord. You got what I'm saying to you? So let's repent of that. I'm telling you, you begin to see, you'll begin to see marvelous change in your lives. So just put these things in place. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. First of all, we repent. We repent, Lord God, for taking your name in vain, using your name in vain. We repent, Father, for not valuing your word. We repent for allowing the enemy to steal the word, to take it from us. Lord, we repent. I mean, Lord, we, we repent. We've been struggling so much and really have not realized that the answer has been right in front of us the whole time. Lord, we repent for not valuing the word that comes over the pulpit. We repent for not giving you place in our lives. We repent for allowing the enemy to steal the word, to snatch the life-giving word. We repent, Lord, for shaking our fist at you, saying that you didn't do something when you did everything. We repent, Lord God, for being footpath hearers or wayside hearers, being here but not being present. We repent, Father, for the times when you you sent a word into us that we did not agree with. Having that hard heart, we repent for not giving that word place in us and excavating. We should have excavated that, those rocks and gave place to you. We repent, Father, for allowing the cares of the world to speak so much louder than you. Father, I pray for your namesake that you transform us and make us into the people that you've called us to be. Transform us. And Father, I pray the next time we see each other, we'll have fruit to show. There'll be so many testimonies that will be going forth, so many testimonies of how marriages are changed and how families are changed and finances have changed and physical changes in our health and wellness. Because we simply receive what you've been saying. And fruit is being produced in our lives. So all around, all around the building now, if you're praying with me, just hold your hands up and say, Father, God, I repent. I repent. I repent. If you're not ashamed to say it, just raise your hand and say, Father, I repent. I agree. I repent. And I ask you to wash me and cleanse me with the precious blood of Jesus. 
And I ask by the power of your spirit to help me so that I don't keep on making the same mistakes over and over again, never changing. Make today the next day, first day of a glorious change in me. If nobody else changes in my family, let me change. And we give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.